0: Hi, it's J.P. Mac, and welcome to Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative blog. I wish everybody out there a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Um, I want to, uh, talk today, um, for my Christmas message, um, about what's going on, but not not going to delve too too, um, too closely into uh, current affairs. So I've got to try and keep this on in kind of more of a general tone. And so I'm going to start by, um, reading my Christmas message, which was posted on LibertyReLearn.com, so you go on there and read it, and it'll also be posted uh, on the show notes, um, where we get this podcast from. Bless year my Christmas message, I wrote these words, these are dark times, both literally and figuratively, and I go on to say, Jesus is the light. Brought into a dark world, as they say, it's always darkest before the dawn. It's certainly dark in the world and our country today. We have an epidemic which has brought not just death of people, but the death of liberty as well. Our republic is in peril. States across the country have abandoned their allegiance to the Constitution The following of which they now see as optional. Some of those same forces have plans for this country that would basically mean it's, and they believe that in its ashes they can build a new country, their utopia, not, but their own. So, where are we one year later? We still have an epidemic but one which appears to be on the verge of dying out. In most countries, you change your chances of dying from COVID are down, and surviving it is up. When it comes to the loss of our liberties, we struggle to regain many that were lost, but gradually have seen many restored. In the U.S., the Constitution is back after going MIA briefly, following the election of 2020. Those who strive for a godless utopia have been met with an ever-increasing opposition and the societal momentum of their movement has stalled. It's stalled because it has caused misery, not happiness, and its false promises are, if not being rejected, or at least being met by skepticism. In the closing days of 2021, there are signs that the light has started to vanquish the dark. Just as the Nativity signaled the beginning of a decades-long process of renewal and ultimate victory over death, so too is there the slight hint of a nascent resurgence of those who would bring his light in our world. Happy and healthy... Christmas. Okay, so as usual, um, after reading that, I'm going to unpack it for you and kind of go over it. Now, of course, uh, the first part was what I wrote back in uh, Christmas of 2020. A lot of that still applies, but there has been some slight changes that I mentioned uh, we've turned the corner on COVID, both in the area of its physical danger to men, but also to danger to our liberty. Um but having said that, we are still kind of in the death throes of the um you know the COVID cult, as you might like to call it. Um, so you have the this cult of authoritarianism that has been brought about by the advent of COVID epidemic, and what we're now seeing, at least in this country, on um, varying degrees in other countries also, are that authoritarian cult in its death throes. What I mean by that is. We have, and I did a uh, show recently on the omicron variant um challenging the notion that it is some sort of exceptional threat to mankind um I believe it's just the opposite it's actually i believe it's a blessing in disguise that uh could potentially well, stress could uh, lead us out of this epidemic and the way it c- can do this uh, many are theory theorizing is that being uh, more contagious but uh, less uh, deadly or less virulent that um, it means that more people will get it And more people will acquire the immunity, but less people will die. And so, and of course it's always been the case that, at least in a normal functioning human being, if you get the disease, you survive, uh, you have immunity, at least for a certain period of time. And science is showing us that the immunity is pretty durable. Uh, They don't know the extent of it yet the uh the long and short of it uh yet you know they don't know how long it lasts or how long it remains potent um but it it does happen and what the Omicron allowed for is for people to receive this natural immunity more cheaply if you will than they have in the past with other with the original uh covid or with the original or some of the other variants like the delta variant that were more contagious but also um fairly fairly uh deadly and fairly powerful in their own right um omicron doesn't seem to be following that trajectory as um delta recently had um so it'll be interesting to see in a couple of weeks we won't know probably um what the real picture is uh you know if you go on to um worldometer uh dot info uh if you go on to that graph uh, a few weeks from now You'll probably see a huge rise in increases, and um, but you won't see a corresponding huge rise in deaths. And so far, with Omicron, um, there hasn't been that uh, corresponding um, increase in deaths, um, not quite to the degree of what we saw with Delta. And so, what that means is that the natural immunity that are recovering from this disease brings um, can be uh, gotten a little bit more cheaply than it has been ever in the past. And the other thing is it seems to be spreading like wildfire, uh, at least across parts of the United States. Um, it's been the theory of a lot of us that everybody's going get, to get it sooner or later um some some version of covid that virtually everybody will get it sooner or later. It'll be like getting the common cold and um that seems to be the case. I know personally obviously this is as Dr fauci would say it's anecdotal um but I've gone from having virtually knowing nobody who had it to Just a few people from work having it to virtually almost everybody I know having had it. And so, I guess while it's not great for the people who have it, um, what I've heard um, from everybody who's had it recently, which would kind of um, would include the possibility of Omicron, but we don't know. Um, so, but anyway, whatever, um, variant is popular in the United States at the moment, um, or, or one of the other variants of Delta or Omicron or whatever, whichever, whatever it was, at least in those few cases, um, Symptoms have been mild in the few people I've known that have had it. So now it's getting kind of akin to uh, a cold. But obviously, you know, there's um, always going to be a certain number of outlying people. and Probably, particularly if you're not vaccinated... That will be it'll be worse for you, um, some people just have the bad luck of being uniquely unsuited for any particular disease or a particular variant of a particular disease, and so unfortunately, there's always a uh, small number of unlucky ones, no matter how common the cold you know you could have a common cold, what we call the common cold. And there'll be a small outlier of people always react badly. Uh, maybe they'll have some serious illness and, you know, just having a uh, common cold will be the last straw, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. In this case, that kind of seems to be what the data is showing. And, again, uh, if we look at the worldometer, in a couple weeks. weeks. Uh, it looks like we will probably see. Again, based on what I'm hearing. A huge spike in cases. Um, but a, rel- a very small increase. Corresponding increase in deaths. So, what that will mean is. That the correlation between catching disease and having the disease and dying from it or becoming seriously ill, um, there'll be a wider and wider gap statistically between those, those groups. Um, and that's a good thing. And hopefully, um, again, the natural immunity that comes from Omicron will be durable and it will, um, be good against, I'm sure there'll be some other uh, variant. There's always going to be another variant down the road. Probably, there's probably another Pi or Omega vir- vir- variant somewhere in the world today um, that we just haven't heard about yet. But right now, at least, seems like uh, the Omicron, um, relatively speaking, is a cheap way of receiving natural immunity. Um, Unless something incredible happens in the future, um, that looks like that's what's going to be the case of it. And so, as I mentioned in my statement, um, yeah, the chances of dying from COVID are down and surviving it is up. Uh, when it comes to the loss of our liberties, we struggle to regain many that were lost. And as I mentioned, the regime that has invested itself in the authoritarianism and these you know, COVID restrictions, um, that regime is now in its death throes. And kind of like a corner, cornered animal, uh, it lashes out because it feels like it has nothing to lose. Um, Because if it doesn't fight its way out of it, you know, like a cage animal or a cornered animal, you know, then they're lost. And that's kind of what the establishment um, is is kind of uh, demonstrating, is that there you're seeing the authoritarian, particularly the authoritarian left, and kind of their death throes of their COVID restrictions. And so they're, they're lashing out. We're seeing uh, vaccine mandates, even though they've been repeatedly um, shot down by the courts. They've been repeatedly, uh, you know, stopped from being enforced. And OSHA, well, at least last I heard, is not enforcing The rule for forced vaccination for companies over 100 people. Um, I don't remember that changing, but I think that's still the case. Um, But now you have, for the first time, I believe in the United States, um, since COVID began, you have cities such as Philadelphia, New York, I believe in San Francisco too, you have the requirement of COVID passports. In other words, you need to provide proof of vaccination in order to go to a restaurant or a theater. Um, So I would uh, hope that the people who are in those cities or frequent those cities might want to find somewhere else to go uh, to dine or to... You know watch their movies or shows um go someplace out outside of the 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 uh cities um because you know that's really our only voice in this um is to cause the business owners to complain to the city councils councils uh about what's going on and and you know, if enough business owners lose business over this and complain enough, complain loud enough, then maybe they'll hasten the day when these restrictions are lifted once they know they're so unpopular. And of course, you have in other countries, you have really large demonstrations on a fairly regular basis now. On like Australia, you know, see them in Melbourne. Uh, I believe there there has been uh, ones in Sydney, probably all across that country, and I say good for them. There is strength in numbers, so uh, good on you. Um, they're down under,s um, you know, keep fighting the good fight because the the truth is that your country, talking about Australia but also New Zealand and Canada to a lesser extent, you are, you, you can't really seriously call yourself um, free countries anymore. Um, and it pains me to say that, but really, um, when you have, as a practical matter, you know the average person has less freedom than the person even in communist China, then that's a bit of a problem. You, you can't really, with a straight face anymore, call yourself a a free country that's an unfortunate side effect and unfortunately even if they uh, lower those restrictions that doesn't mean that you've actually gotten your freedom back that you're you're in a free country again because as long as they can take it away and give your your um rights um to you and take them away from you then they're treating your rights as privileges. If you have to ask for permission to do something from your government, then your government believes that thing is a privilege and not a right. And so the the only way that I know that you can end that is to vote those people out who support those laws, who've been um, enforcing, calling for the enforcement of those edicts. Really, that's the only way that you're, uh, again, going to have a truly free country. So just because you're allowed that the government is allowing you the privilege of dining outside, that doesn't mean you're in a free country. It means that the um, that country, in their graciousness to you, is allowing you, suffering you, uh, to eat uh, indoors, um, maybe even if you're unvaccinated. So, I can see while the, while the people in many of the Commonwealth countries in the world, British Commonwealth countries, are taken to the streets, and good for you. I think that's the only way out of it, And but you're not done until you vote for people who won't bring these Things back, and then you'll actually be done. And it's also the same thing, maybe to the lesser extent in the United States, but it also depends on what state you're in. Um, I think the people in California and New York have a little bit more work to do than, say, the people in Florida about um, voting back their rights and their freedoms. But um, but it's still. It still has work to be done, even in the United States. And But we have, has not been all bad news. Um, most of the restrictions, you know, there's, I don't think there's really any part of the United States in lockdown. There could be, maybe, probably in Los Angeles or, or uh, somewhere in California, but... I would not think that there should be any lockdown, and certainly, uh, as we've seen from the Omicron variant, the Omicron variant does not warrant in the least any sort of lockdown. And it's it, it's interesting you have these lockdowns because you know, remember the um, the blue states and the blue cities. Um, initiated the lockdowns and uh, now the uh, vaccine passports in these cities uh, because of Omicron. But if you look at, has anything changed as far as the disease from the last variant where there was no vaccine passport to Omicron? I mean, is there anything that you've seen or heard of from Omicron? that would warrant this, I would say just that the answer is a definite no. So if there's no change in your danger of exposure or danger of being hospitalized from COVID, then the only difference is, um, so there's no real uh, health benefit to be had from a vaccine passport not not in this case here with Omicron. Um uh, so you have to wonder, you know, is it the is it is there's the point of having vaccine passports to uh increase the general health and welfare of the citizens of those cities, or is it to put jabs and dollars in the pockets of the producers of these vaccines, um, i.e. Pfizer and Moderna. And so the last I'm going to speak on this subject before I move on is that, you know, if you want your rights back, particularly in these blue cities, you know, you might have to speak up a bit. You know, you might have to... uh, not frequent the uh, bars and restaurants that require a vaccine um, passports. And um, find other places to eat and drink and be merry uh, outside the city. And then, uh, then hopefully that will prompt the business owners to complain to the city councils and the powers that be in the city to lift these unfair ordinances. But, you know, no freedom is ever gained or regained from just sitting idly by. No one has ever uh, complied their way out of tyranny. And so you do well to remember that truism. Um, so, moving on, um, kind of continuing to unpack my statement here. Um, See, so in, uh, in the U.S., the Constitution is back after going MIA briefly following the election of 2020. Those who strive for a godless utopia have been met by an ever-increasing opposition and the societal momentum of their movement has stalled. Um, so let's go over the first part of that again. Um, of course, talking about the presidential election, where several states changed their election, election rules um, in contravention to what's allowed in the Constitution. The Constitution says that uh, federal elections are to be done by state legislators, not by the governors of the states, not by the courts, but by the state legislatures. Um, But states, uh, several states, uh, ignored that and just did their own thing, uh, despite the constitutionality of that. And, of course, the Supreme Court was nowhere to be found when the time was to argue these cases. And have these metal matters settled. Um, Of course, the uh, U.S. Supreme Court is notorious for not wanting to on the uh, elections. You know, they're very loath to take any stance that would possibly uh, alter any um, outcome of any election. Uh, But it's not their job to, to, to worry about the outcome of you know the results of their rulings their only job is to make sure that whatever the law in question is is constitutional um you know you know the results um be damned you know if the constitution says uh x is allowed and but not y then that's the the Supreme Court's job is to say X is allowed, not Y, and not say well what if um you know people might get mad, some people might get mad if if X is allowed or X is not allowed, and you know we have to tailor our judgment to what we think might happen as a result. That's not the job of the Supreme Court. Supreme Court is only to decide the constitutionality and the legality of certain laws that are being challenged in their court. And so that's my fear, is that the Supreme Court will lose their nerve and decide to leave the vaccine mandate question an open question not and not resolve it. Um, but the, you know, these, there have been gains in you know, the Constitution, you know, they, or the Supreme Court does seem to be interested in, in following the Constitution for things other than elections, so... That's, that's at least good. That's a, um, that's an encouraging thing. Um, so hopefully we'll see more of that. Of course, there'll be like a huge, um, there'll be a huge ruling probably in June about, um, the abortion laws in this country and possibly overturn Roe v. Wade. Again, I think they'll going to try and. Uh, split the baby so to speak and and find some middle ground and they'll kind of do a half assed ruling on that It won't be satisfactory to anybody. But anyhow um at least they're interested in uh, taking cases again that are important to the people and they're pressing it and not uh just punting when it comes, you know, like they did in the case of elections, so um, they're doing that, so that's encouraging, hopefully again, they'll get uh, here's some more important cases in 2022 and uh, some they'll make some good decisions uh, particularly in regards to our rights as we're abridged by COVID, and they've been pretty good on that front so hopefully they'll just Keep it up. Um, And then uh, there are those who strive for a godless utopia, have met by have been met by an ever increasing opposition, and their societal momentum of their movement has stalled. Now these are what we generally call as the woke people. To subscribe to the religion of wokeism, and uh, basically, and you saw what happened in the elections uh, uh, last month in v- Virginia, where they elected a Republican governor and Republican lieutenant governor. S- the state legislator, le- legislature uh, went uh, Republican, and of course. Um, right-wing activists across the country, uh, constitutional and concerned parents, and and uh, you know just conservative and libertarian activists across the country won seats on school boards, and so I think that's good because now people are exposing, and the more people. You have standing up to the school boards, the easier it is for everybody else. And everybody who stands up and calls out the school boards for teaching things like CRT, uh, it just makes it easier for other people to follow. Of course, you know, you have, you know, there's, again, there's safety in numbers. More people who are willing to speak out on a subject, the more people you will have. Who are willing to speak out in public on a subject? You know, it takes a small percentage to speak out, and what happens is, originally there's a fear of being ostracized by society, and it's like, well, if I make a noise, get cut off. And but if one person does it, and another person sees that person, and that gives uh, courage to that other person and, and they they go and they speak in front of their school board and, you know, they get um, maybe positive reaction. Um, you know, you can see a lot of positive reaction to their actions on social media platforms, at least in conservative and libertarian circles. Definitely. And they get that positive reinforcement. And so even, you know, even if you're maybe not that person to stand up in front of the school board or run for a school board election, you know, it starts by just giving a thumbs up to someone who calls out CRT online. Um, maybe even does it to the face of uh, an administ- administrator somewhere. Um, you know, you see those, you know, they see those thumbs up and positive reactions, you know, upvoting their remarks you know that give get gives people courage to do more and again the more courage they have uh courage is tends to be contagious and so that's what we want and that's what we happened uh in virginia and in other states across the country this past november and of course this is you know kind of a shot across the bow for the democrats um just a prelude to what we believe is going to happen in 2022 when we have the midterm elections, and everybody is expecting a tidal wave of uh, Republican uh, incumbents in, you know, Republican winners in 22 elections, um, particularly for Congress. But it all starts in getting these small positions in school boards and such um, and city councils. uh, It all starts there and then you can grow it and get experience in government and civics and then you go on, you know, and go for bigger and better things. But sometimes you have to start at the smallest um, possible elected position. So, that's good that's um i'd rather have uh i'd probably rather have every single city council in America go red next November than every you know than have 51% of the senate or house go red you know cuz it's actually more valuable in the long run and more valuable to our everyday lives uh, if those those people who are serving those positions that are closest to the people that they serve um, it's actually more valuable in many ways for those people to succeed um, now hopefully we can do both hopefully we can win the people's house win uh, decisive control of the senate and then we can put the brakes on the plan deal and this uh, huge spending bills that they, they still are trying to get through in Congress. Hopefully put the brakes on that. Looks like Joe Manchin has pretty much done that. Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema in particular have said no to trillion plus dollar spending bills, which has a good thing it's f- fiscally irresponsible to do. There's just no other way to look at it when you're some like $28 trillion in debt. I mean, come on. I mean, how can you believe that there's not going to be, um that's not going to cause inflation? I mean, you know, even the Fed, even the people in government are backing off, you know, where they were saying it's going to be transitory inflation. And now they're saying, well, no, it's not going to be. So now we have to, and particularly when it comes to the politicians, they have to learn to connect um, the spending with inflation and and just hammer that in to the public uh, wherever and whenever they can to whoever will listen to it. Um and that's really the only way that's going to get done. And plus it's the people themselves, you know, they see, they know, you know, they may not know the inside and out of the, these bills that are in Congress and what they're for and who's going to get what, but they know that when they hear a trillion dollars and they see inflation is on the rise and they hear trillion dollars of spending and they associate on their own those two things. And so really that's the only way to overcome that. Otherwise you're just gonna have uh Congress bribing the people with their own money. And there's also the other main part of it, which was the defund the, the police movement, which was idiotic and doomed to fail. And um now we're seeing uh country and uh cities across the country. Um how dangerous it is to uh defund the police and to marginalize the police um you see what they have in california many many cities in california have for all intents and purposes they've legalized theft they've le- legalized shoplifting and of course that's due to in many cases um district attorneys and prosecutors um, that are uh, funded from, in some cases, from people who don't have America's best interest in mind. Um, they may think they do, but they don't. And they're funded by people who shall remain nameless, George um, who who get these people installed into these positions of power, and then these uh, prosecutors and district attorneys, in turn are very weak in crime, and they do things like no-cash bail, and unless you're a really big felon, you're going to hardly have to pay anything in bail. Or we're just going to not enforce laws like prosecuting people for shoplifting under $950. And so people see the results of that. These foolish policies. Even the people who in some cases voted for them. Like in Minnesota. Now they're voting to fund the police. Because they've figured out. Uh, that, that the people. Um, aren't as stupid as they thought. And they don't, really don't like. Being. Um, crime and being in danger all the time. And losing business and profits. And lives and. Limbs. And. And lo and behold, their these their fantasies didn't come true about um, creating this utopia, utopian society where people are just you know the problem with prisons is that you know we have too many prisoners in them and you know, this just nonsense thought process that is just um, fools you know for you know lack of a better term. And people are seeing this. They're seeing these people for the fools they are. And they're voting against them. Hopefully that will translate into a few district attorneys and prosecutors and state prosecutors and and the like in some cities and states. Hopefully that will translate into these people being voted out of office. Obviously, if people like having their things not robbed and not being raped and murdered and and uh, assaulted, you know, the people don't like those things, they will uh learn who to blame for them and who the problem who the uh who the pro- yeah you know, where the problem lies and they'll vote these people out. And uh you know, even George Soros doesn't have enough money hopefully to overcome the common sense of, you know, tens of millions of City dwelling people, but we'll see, and hopefully, uh, sooner, more sooner than later, and that's another good thing. But anyway, just kind of get this back on the positive track. I think people again are seeing these, um, uh, people for the fools they are, and they're voting them out of office now that there is their, um, foolish notions are no longer, uh, just theoretically, now that the pain is real. Real people are experiencing the pain of crime and high inflation that now that uh, they're being voted out of office. And, you know, the sooner the better. And so, as I mentioned in the closing statements of, well, closing sentences of my statement, um... You know, just as the nativity signaled the beginning of a decades-long process, notice I put decades-long, you know, Jesus didn't born, you know, Jesus didn't save the world the day after he was born. He didn't save it on Boxing Day, okay? He saved it on Good Friday and on Easter, 33 years later. And so... Remember that the, the this decades-long process. Hopefully, it won't take take decades. But think about it: the left has been working on towards these goals for literally a hundred years now. For so for a full century now, the left—you know—the socialists, the communists, the fascists, all of these collectivists have been working against a plan to basically dismantle uh, Western uh, civilization, society, and capitalism. You know, they just didn't start doing that two years ago. They started a hundred years ago. And so if it takes 30 years for us to, you know, reverse the damage, then we have to be willing to um, be in it for the long haul. You know this is uh, bound to be a multi-generational struggle, and in reality, is every single generation uh, has to maintain the freedom. Of course, as Ronald Reagan said, you know, um, paraphrase Ronald Reagan, you know, you know, freedom is never more than one generation away from being extinct, and this is true. And we're finding out that we are in we are part of that generation that is looking down the barrel of extent at the extension of our freedoms. And so, um, yeah, Ronnie had it right there. And so we have to be prepared. You know, we would love to think that, you know, we're going to win in 2022 and we're going to win in 2024. You know, we'll have Trump or somebody else. Um, Win, uh, for the Republicans, or you know Joe Manchin, you know, could run for president by maybe by that time, but anyhow, um, you know, and that will be that that will do it. Um, I think that's a little bit naive to think that. Um, it'll certainly help to, um, turn over Congress and eventually the White House. That will help. But you know that Congress has to pass good legislation. It has to get a reputation for helping the people. I mean, it, it's not going to do very well if you know these two trillion dollar bills are only reduced to one trillion dollar spending bills, or the one spent the one trillion dollar spending bills are only uh, three quarters of a trillion spending, you know, dollars spending bills, you know, we're not going to win that way. And we're going to have to um, keep, you know, the regulatory body, those unelective, you know, people in the deep state, you know, we're going to have to keep them at bay. And so we're going to have to use wisely the power, you know, if we get it that uh, the American people give to the conservative-leaning politicians uh, in this coming November's election, midterms, and then again in the presidential election. And the idea is that to have a central government, a federal government, so weak that it doesn't really matter which power is has a presidency because they can only do so much damage to the country in the two years or six years or four years they're in power, as the case may be. Um, so we we have to do more than just not um, add on to the debt. We have to make it harder for the debt to be added on to. And I really hope that if we get a big enough majority in Congress that we can start seriously talking about uh, things like a balanced budget amendment, maybe uh, probably won't be an amendment, but maybe a, a flat tax. You know, uh, you know, break it down into three uh, tax tiers, um, so that you can do your taxes on one page or two pages instead of volumes and volumes. You know, in the case of a large business. So hopefully, we will not just win. And hopefully, not just you know, stop the bleeding, but we can also make things better. And the people will learn to associate conservative, um, conservative control of Congress with good things happening in their lives, and they'll learn to have uh, associate having a conservative. Uh, constitutional um, and fiscal conservative in the White House, uh, and associate that with good things happening. And of course, you know, good things arguably did happen when we had those things. Um, the press wouldn't let you realize it, but now, in con only in contrast, now that the you know inflation is up and all of the good economy. Has turned bad, and all of these, you know, bad things have happened. Now, only in contrast does does it um, do we now see the many people now see the benefit of having a conservative or more conservative president uh, in the White House and having a more conservative Congress. So now, only now. After they've had, it only took less than a year for all of these things to go to hell with, you know, starting with Afghanistan, inflation, crime, um, even COVID. Um, you know, it only took them a year for just having tremendous negative reversals on the progress we've made during the last four years. of and, and so... So, hopefully, uh, if we do, the conservatives do win back Congress and the White House, that they'll use it for good. And, you know, people will learn to associate uh, having conservatives, fiscal conservatives in the White House and in Congress with good things and lower inflation. But first, you know, we have to stay the course first you know we have to win the argument with the american people hopefully we can do that i think that's going to happen i think that the american people are more open to hearing the conservative point of view than they have been for in a long while and hopefully we will take advantage of that uh newfound goodwill and our new newfound um power in messaging and uh power in, you know, hopefully maybe even winning the culture war as it's being played out. And that would be great. Um, because I kinda want to stress when you know, I make these statements, you know, it's it's a beginning of a decades long process of renewal. And in this case, in the political case at least, it's a very fragile. I mean, even Back then, one would argue, when we're talking about the actual nativity of Jesus, you know, you had uh, King Herod looking out for anybody who was a challenge to his authority, even a little infant. So he, at least according to scripture, had everybody under the age of two killed. And that's the reason why eventually uh mary and joseph and jesus went to egypt fled to egypt um to get away from that uh herod's edict of killing everybody under two years old because they were seen as a threat to his power uh so even then uh it was very fragile that that the that i guess you could say that was always assured but for all, you know, most, you know, from at least from the subjective standpoint, it's, you know, I think we've been nervous, you know, back in, you know, 1 AD, you know, whether this thing was actually going to work or not. Um, and so it is with uh, today on the political front and on the justice front where, you know, Just because, you know, we've won a few elections in a few states and a few cities. And we won a few elections in a few school districts, but that's a very fragile thing now. We have to do the right thing. uh, Use that power well. And I suggest that we... Stick to conservative and libertarian principles, those principles that the country was originally founded upon, um, that those efforts will be successful and they'll be rewarded with uh, the people being reelected to those positions or elected to higher positions. Um, but it's a very fragile beginning. Um, but it is, you know, you have to start somewhere. And so right now, you know, we're kind of at day one almost, you know, when it comes to turning things around from the darkness that people, um, these authoritarians, the collectivists um, have brought on us. You know, this is just day one really of that or year. It's going to be year one of the turnaround. And this could be again a generational thing. Um, again, the left, the powers on the left, particularly the socialists, um, have been working non stop without and without rest for time. And so, to undo that can social conditioning and brainwashing and those things that they did, you know, it's going to take more than one election cycle. It's going to take constant effort. It's not going to happen overnight. So it's going to take a little bit of staying power and resolve. But uh, I think that things will, again, if we stay the course, if we stay true to the values of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and and the, thing, the thought that all men are created equal under the eyes of God and those things that the country was founded upon, if we stick to those ideals, then we should be fine. But some, they're not going to make it easy. Uh, we have to make it easier for ourselves and for others. So that is the uh, message, hopefully mostly positive uh, Christmas message. Again, have a Merry Christmas for those of you who are celebrating. And uh, hopefully um, when we get to the part where we're talking about the new year, we can have a really good new year. And speaking of which, I think we can safely assume that there's going to be a New Year's special. We're going to have a retrospective of... All different podcasts of the previous year of 2020. So we'll have some sort of highlights podcast. It'll probably be a multi thing. Uh, maybe we'll concentrate on one area one week and one area another. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Kind of make this up as I go along, but it should be good. Hopefully it'll be entertaining and informing to you. And so in the meantime, Uh, keep the Christmas spirit in your heart. Do not lose faith. And um, we will see you uh, soon after the new year. And uh, we will be talking about all the great things. We'll be talking about what happened this past year. And we will talk about all the great things that we believe can happen and want to happen next year. And so, uh, look forward to doing some retrospective from for 2020, and also looking forward to or 2021, and looking forward to 2022, and see maybe we'll make even uh, maybe I might dare make a few predictions. We'll see, but until then, stay healthy, happy, and free. This is J.P. Mac from Liberty Relearn. Uh, libby Relearned.com online Libby relearned on uh, Facebook and JP Mac on parlor so hopefully you'll look us up on one of those places and uh, you know when you leave this podcast you know go to your platform whoever does your platform and give this stars or five stars or however many they allow they'll encourage other people to listen and thank you and don't forget maybe too late for christmas but you know a t-shirt from the liberty relearn store always a great gift so don't forget you can do that you have to go to libertyrelearn.com and then look for the shop it's called our shop and get you a nice t-shirt. I really like the ones personally that say this will defend and have a little picture of the Constitution that says We the People. I think um, that's, uh, yeah. yeah, I suggest that you look at that one. Pretty good. So, anyhow, thank you for listening this past year and hopefully next year will be a great year too, even better uh, in many ways for the podcast and for you and for me and for the country as a whole so until then thank you very much and uh see you next time